Welcome to the Embodied Sounds podcast, where we explore how music and sound add to our collective well-being in mind, body, and spirit. In order to keep this podcast free of advertising, please consider joining our Patreon community. Your support will go towards the creation of this show, as well as original music compositions and recording projects to help us all reduce stress and live a healthier and happier life. Learn more at www.embodiedsounds.com. In this episode, I got to interview my friend, Joss Jaffe. He is a vocalist, tabla player, multi-instrumentalist, composer, and record producer based in Santa Barbara, California. I met Joss touring on the Bhakti Yoga circuit in the west coast of the United States in the summer of 2018. We had a great friendship right away, and I've always appreciated his knowledge of tabla study, music as meditation, and just how to live a chill life without getting too stressed about life's little ups and downs. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Embodied Sounds podcast. My name is Joshua Sam Miller. I'm your host. So excited to be sharing with you today uh, another conversation with a friend of mine who's an incredible musician, producer, and human being. His name is Josh Jaffe, and we're excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Josh. How are you doing? So good, man. Uh, Where are you coming in from today? I am calling in from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Right on, right on. And uh, I guess, you know, to really dive into this conversation, we were just setting up our sound preferences in this Zoom call. Uh, you know, tell me, like, how, how has sound really been a part of your life uh, over the years? Give, give me kind of an overview of how that's been a factor. Oh, I love it. You cut right to the chase with the really juicy questions. That's why, that's why I love you, man. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, sound is, you know, so mystical and, um, there's really a lot I could say about it. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot I could say. Um, I was just thinking the other day about, uh, cause I'm learning how to become a better mixing engineer, you know, so to get pretty esoteric, you know, talking shop right off the bat, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, you can use all this incredible technology these days. And there's, there's so much technology to create and to consume and experience sound. But I was sort of thinking about it and I'm like, the most amazing piece of technology that I personally have access to are my ears, you know? And, and I mean, it sounds kind of silly and simple, but it's really true. You know, it's a very sensual and um, visceral experience, you know, and, and that's why people love music. That's why I love music, you know, at least I can speak for myself because it sort of hits you, you know, like Bob Marley said, when the music hits, you feel no pain. It sort of like activates all these emotions and experiences in the body. Uh, of course, as a kid, you know, you just, you hear cool things and, and you, uh, and, and, you know, they stimulate you. And um, then it developed more and more through these instruments, you know, learning these different instruments. And I have a beautiful one here tonight that we can, that we can play with. Um, awesome. But as I, as I learned how to play more music, you know, each instrument has its own sound, right? And you you learn how to create and generate those sounds, you know? And I had the good fortune of studying world music, what's called world music. I mean, really, it's just the traditions of people, of cultures around the world, you know? Uh, I learned tabla, I learned tambura, I learned sarod, I learned about raga, and the music of India really deeply influenced me. Plus, uh, when I was 14, I got a djembe, a little drum, so learning rhythm. My first instrument was guitar. I started when I was nine, learning about that. Then I quickly moved to the bass, you know, so trying out all these different instruments. And each instrument is like its own world, right? It's like meeting a new person, you know? It, it, this new person is, is different than any other person you've ever met before. And if you really want to sort of appreciate them and get to know them, you have to 
you have to ask them questions like what you're doing with me. And, um, and each instrument has its own sound spectrum, you know, where it sounds good, where it's kind of on the threshold, where it's pushing. And then finally, I think the most important instrument for me is my voice, my singing voice, because then you get into truly just resonating from your body, you know, and finding the pitch and finding the rhythm, you know, clapping your hands, singing a note, and uh, the experience of music that way, that just really visceral experience. And, you know, from there, I, I made a lot of music producing and, and stuff like that. Um, and the last thing I'll say to answer your question is, uh, right now, what's become quite popular, which is also very ancient, is this thing called sound healing, right? So there's this whole science, even, really, of, of using vibrations and tones to literally heal the body and to also affect the different states of brain waves of consciousness, you know, things like that. So um, there's really just so much there. I mean, you know, you and I both love sound and, and we could have this whole conversation just just talking. I guess it's, the podcast is called Embodied Sound. So, you know, we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you for um, for sharing all of that. And I, I do like to jump right in. I'm a New Yorker by heart, and I don't think that's ever going to leave my soul, despite the amount of time I spend on the West Coast. Um, gosh, you know, so much there. You, you've really been a musician that I've met who's really devoted himself to oh, thank you. this path, and that's felt, I think, by uh, many of us in the, in the music community, really uh, deep respect for how you've uh, incorporated so many traditions into your your music. And I, I definitely want to talk about the sound healing piece. Um, that's definitely a theme for both of us. But kind of before we go there, I'm, I'm curious, in your studies of raga music and um, African percussion and African kora um, music, you know, in those cultures, uh, have you observed this practice of, of playing music as being a part of the uh, society's kind of ritual or, um, you know, is, is, it, is it used in a deeper way than, than maybe we use it here in the West? Um, and if you can maybe talk a little bit about how you've experienced those traditional cultures over the years, I think that would be really interesting for us to hear about. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Those are all great questions. And um, it's hard to sort of talk uh, too generally about these sorts of things. But like, um, I, you know, the probably the place I spent the most amount of time is India. I've done one four month trip and one three month trip. Um, you know, and, and one thing I did kind of that shocked me is sort of the like the musical literacy that you would find of, of often just normal people, you know, like people that weren't, didn't even consider themselves to be music. And, and me and my friends, we would, we would comment on this all the time. Like you'd meet a per, just a random person and they could just rip on the tablets. Like you'd put them a tabla and they would just sort of like rip on it. And like, and, and partly it's just because that is familiar to them. They've heard that music since they were a kid. So they could kind of evoke it, you know, and, um, you know, that that would happen, I guess, I'm assuming in a, in a society where there's more drumming, you know, people would have like a more innate sense of rhythm, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm speaking about this sort of touching dancing around the issue, because I, I don't really know the answer to that question, ultimately. But I mean, in my experience of dealing with kids, I teach a lot of youth. And the more that people are exposed to music at a young age, the more that the music is just like a part of them, right? It's not a secondary thing. It's not a cerebral thing. It's it's something that comes out more. And and you know, anecdotally, I'm sure you you you've experienced this too. You find this in other places more than others. Like you know, if you ever hung out with like Brazilian people, right? You know, it's like there's all this like kind of music happening, and and there's just sort of the vibe, you know. Definitely. And thank you for your honesty on the part of the question that you, you can and can't answer. Uh, I mm -hmm. totally respect the uh, wanting not to generalize and make those types of mm -hmm. broad statements, uh, which is something, you know, I, I try and hold myself to as well. And, um, well, I, I guess I, I know you've done a lot of work specifically in Korea, and I'm really curious to kind of hear more about how that 
came about, um, if you feel called to tell us some of that story and, and what your experience has been like as a, a Westerner in that um, country offering uh, music at yoga festivals and other events that you've been a part of. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been posting on Instagram lately a bunch about my experiences in Korea. And, um, you know, there's one uh, person that I, I really have to thank, and um, his name is Lee Hyun Kim. And he's a really uh, amazing guy and a, um, a yoga instructor. And he started with his team, a group of people, um, the Korea Yoga Conference and an event called Yoga Mala. So he hosts these sort of big, sort of premier yoga events, you know, and I just got really, really lucky. You know, it's funny, a lot of things in life is just sort of how it how the, it unfolds in, in this sort of mysterious way. And, um, and I met him at a yoga conference I was performing at in Thailand. And he liked my music. He bought all my CDs, you know, and we just clicked. We just totally clicked. And so um, uh, I was doing another event um, in Taiwan, actually. And it's interesting you mentioned Asia, because um, if you look at a map of like East Asia, it's a little bit like Europe, where there's like all these countries kind of close together. Right. I mean, the United States is a huge, big country. Right. But like other parts of the world, there's like little countries that are kind of all close together. So as a musician, you sort of travel around and and places are, are somewhat close, you know. So, uh, at, you know, as I was routing the tour, I was sort of doing these events in like Japan and stuff like that. And. I actually didn't even think to go to Korea. Um, you know, uh, it's interesting when you go there, it's a little bit off the beaten path, you know, obviously tourists go there and stuff, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily everyone's first destination. Um, but it was just amazing. I mean, I, I just, I just completely fell in love with the country and, um, you know, uh, yoga is very popular. They're very, very, very popular. So me as a yoga musician, it just, it just really clicked, you know, and, um, and I did a lot of events there the last two years and I hope I get to go back soon. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. I hope, I hope you do as well. And that this, uh, worldwide kind of stay at home meditation retreat, as I'm calling it, yeah. uh, <laughs> passes us, passes us by, um, you know, we move through it together. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, can you remember back to an early time in your life where you maybe listened to someone or something that really inspired you that you feel like sent you on this, this path that you've chosen to take in life? Is, is there a memory that comes back to you? That's such a great question. And I almost sometimes when I'm doing these interviews, I wish like I was interviewing you. I need to start my podcast because I like, you know, I'm like, oh, he's got this great question. I'm, I'm curious what you're going to say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm really influenced by, um, you know, classic rock. When I was a kid, I really loved classic rock like Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. And the music that came out in the 70s was just like it just like had so much vibe, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s. It just had so much energy and, and emotion behind it. And the sounds were so wild. You know, they were experimenting so much. And I think that's when I just really got turned on by music in a, in a really big way. Um, you know, and then shortly thereafter, I was exposed to Indian music from my first teacher, Montino Bourbon, who's an amazing individual who I've uh, since gone on to become quite friends with and uh, and produce some of his his music. And he plays the Sarod. Um, so he sort of got me into that. And then through him, I met Ali Akbar Khan, his teacher, the master musician, and um, then got into tabla. And so it opened up this huge portal that that I went into um, in there, and you know, as you also being a tabla player can appreciate what a what an epic journey that is. Like you learn your first na, and suddenly you're like swept away, you know, magnetized by all this, you know. <laughs> totally, yeah. I so. can definitely, I can definitely relate to that. I remember when I was studying in um, Rishikesh, India, on my yoga teacher training, I had a tabla teacher, his name was Somnath uh, Nirtan, and he taught me my first na, and it totally did just that. It, it blew my mind uh, 
completely out of the water. And I think there's something about the language of tabla, which I, I'm going to ask you about next, I feel, uh, that is just so mesmerizing and really does mm -hmm. something up here for me where it just, it's like both a, a mental workout and a mental kind of calming um, feeling. And I'm, I'm curious if that's mm -hmm. the same for you and, and how, yeah, your tabla practice has really become a part of your life. Totally, man. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful I found Tabla when I did. Um, I think I was about 15 or 16 years old. And there's a lot going on in the teenage, you know, uh, psyche and body and everything. And, and having that to sort of divert my energy into was just amazing. I mean, you know, the rhythm, learning about rhythm and the sounds and, and feeling how, you know, it all fits together. Um, I think someone told me once that tabla is actually really good for the brain because it's like as you're doing different things with the two different sides of your body, it corresponds to the two different hemispheres of the brain. And it's it's just very, like like you said, stimulating and relaxing kind of at the same time. It's just like fires on all cylinders. And, you know, it's very engaging. You know, it's also very hard. I mean, you have to like, it, I don't know, it's it's like one of those things, it's almost like surfing or something. Like, you know, if, if you don't sort of get it immediately, there's a quite a wall that you have to push through to, to sort of get competent enough at it to start having fun. That's always the hardest part is that I, I, I've taught a lot of students and and I, I, it's just so sad for me when they don't quite get through to that place to the other side to have fun. But, you know, I, I still think it's always valuable. I mean, every every study is is valuable. But you know what I'm saying? How like you, you tabla is really hard because like the lexicon, the uh, the the the, um, the technique, just making the freaking sounds is like not easy. You know, <laughs> totally. So, it's, <laughs> totally. so it's, it's yeah, it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about like what it does to your mind. What is going through your mind while you're playing tabla? That's such a good question. I think only a tabla player would ask that question. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I mean, again, I, I have to preface this by saying I'm not a master tabla player. And, and I don't honestly think I ever will be. Um, you know, uh, it's actually a little bit ironic. I'm going to I'm going to again preface that question because you're asking me all this question about Tabla. And the, the sort of funny thing is I'm, I'm somewhat, to be totally honest, moving a little bit away from Tabla, you know. Um, and the reason is because, uh, you know, Tabla such an incredibly difficult study and as we mentioned you know i spent eight hours a day you know at times doing it like just just layering experiences upon layering experiences to get proficient enough to even perform at the most basic level you know and um and what happened is is it sort of became i don't know if the right word is eclipsed or something by this incredible love and pursuit of singing and, uh, and, and for me, you know, to be quite honest, singing did not come easily. I mean, I, I had my first vocal student, uh, teachers when I was 14 and practicing it, but like, I wasn't this kind of kid who had this golden voice and was like singing in the choir. And like, I sort of had to, you know, you talk about muscling your way through it in a way I sort of had to just like muscle my way into it and um and just practice and woodshed it's so hard and uh you know it's and and it's become such an incredible uh journey you know learning to cultivate my voice and singing in tune you know but to go back to tabla you know i i think what it depends sort of at what level you're at right like i i was someone like zakir hussein you know like what what is he thinking when he's playing and, you know, and I have asked this to, to tabla masters and, and a lot of them say nothing, you know, <laughs> it's like, like Zakir, Zakir says, once he said, uh, he said, we asked him point blankly, we're like, do you meditate? I don't know why we asked this question, but like someone was curious and we're like, do you meditate? And, and he's like, music is meditation. I mean, just like, just like he responded so quick, like, like, and then he's like, yeah, sometimes I do sitting meditation, but it was just like so quick. And, to think about like what that really means, right? Like that music is meditation. 
you know, what, what happens when you meditate, right? When you meditate, you're trying to eliminate thinking. You're not, you're trying not to think, right? <laughs> so, so to think that, to say music is meditation is, is actually a really deep concept. And so it's like, you sort of get to this point where there's a lot happening. It's like body reflex, you know, intuition, um, you know, creativity, composition. I mean, stuff is just sort of happening. And then you enter this kind of magical space where you're flowing, right? And, and so Indian music um, is very deep. I mean, all musics have this, I, I do believe, but in Indian music, there's actually like terms for this where the, the musicians have this kind of telepathic communication, right? Like that's actually the goal, of Indian music, you you know, classical Indian music, you train so much that you don't need to communicate to the other person about where you're going. You just like, it's instantaneous. And if you've ever watched, you know, any maestro like Ravi Shankar and Alaraka play together, right? You see that it's just these like, it's like a flock of birds, you know, like that, that move and you're like, who's directing it? You don't know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's very cosmic. The whole thing is like very deep and, and very cosmic. And, and, you know, I think when I, when I enter that flow state, there's not a lot going on in my brain. I'm sort of just like putting things together and, and it's like beautiful. I mean, that's kind of what you're going for, you know, but again, it depends on, on so many aspects of the music. I mean, some music is very technical, you know, and, and music is very subjective. Like some music is supposed to be mellow and some music is supposed to be fast and again that's another reason why i love indian music because it starts with the alap right it's got everything in one song right it starts with alap which is no rhythm and then the got comes in it's really slow right and then it speeds up and then suddenly they're like playing at some crazy fast speed and in the middle there's all these different feels there's like funk and groove and triplets and you know it's just it's so, so psychedelic i mean i can't even explain you know <laughs> <laughs> great answer man great answer I, I love the concept that to really sit down and play an instrument like the tabla and and as mm -hmm. well as others i, I want to hear more about your passion with the voice too mm -hmm. but to really be able to sit in that space and offer that there can't be anything in here it has mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. empty in a sense yeah and mm -hmm. That concept, I think, is very, it's very difficult for people to understand unless you felt it yourself, what that feels like. I, I remember early on in my studies of tabla and I was starting to get into that space and just, you know, performing and playing with other musicians and realizing what that feels like. It's, it's very addictive. It's very... Yeah, um, yeah. It feels amazing. And how to create more of that in our life without the reliance on medications and, you know, prescription yeah. drugs and like unhealthy activities that really are, are detriment mm -hmm. to our overall health and well-being is a big interest of mine. And one of the reasons why I founded this podcast and just always fascinated nice. by like this concept of music as meditation, music as medicine um, and now I definitely want to call up Zakir Hussein to ask him some questions. <laughs> Thanks for the well, advice. He, he lives he lives up in the Bay Area. Maybe you know he's pretty busy though. Although totally. who knows what he's doing now? I mean that's that's the trippy thing is all musicians are are kind of off off this year. Totally. It's like our our big holiday. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, well, and, yeah. and with the vo with the voice, you know, too, kind of since you mentioned it, like. Um, yeah, how has how has that really kind of been a journey for you? And and what mm, there's so many questions to ask about about the voice, but I, I'm curious, like, what did you really have to kind of look at and and push through to develop, you know, that muscle and and mm -hmm. confidence and willingness to sing? Because I know that is a a big barrier for a lot of people. So how did mm -hmm. you kind of like move through some of that? And maybe you're still moving through it, you know? Yeah. yeah. One of the huge parts of, of singing is, is sort of gaining a certain amount of confidence and, you know, learning how to, how to, you know, um, how to deliver 
that in the moment, you know, and, um, and it takes a lot of practice. I mean, it takes a lot of practice just to sort of sing in tune, you know, and, and so part of singing is developing the ear. And, um, and also there's so many timbres of the voice, right? Learning about how to make the sounds, the different resonating chambers, you know, there's four of them apparently in your body, you know, um, from the, the chest cavity up, you know, through the nasal cavity, the head. And uh, so using the body as a resonator, breath, I mean, that's a whole trippy reality, you know, is it's very yogic in a way is you have to time it to the breath, you know, and, and, and learn how the breath su supports the note. And, um, and learning the volume, you know, uh, learning the, you know, the diction, the enunciation, um, you know, curing bad habits, you know, I mean, I think ultimately, the main thing is learning by doing. I mean, you have to do it. And, and in one way, that's one of the things I think I love the most. I mean, there's a lot of things I love about it for, but of kirtan music, you know, uh, I love kirtan in so many ways. And kirtan is great because it's like, you can't pick a better woodshed art form. I mean, you repeat the same thing over and over and over again for like hours, right? And it gets faster and it's, you know, uh, and and so for a lot of people, it's, it's annoying almost because it's so repetitive, but you know, to learn how to sing, it's like the perfect thing, right? <laughs> You just sing and sing and sing and sing and sing and 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 so that's cool, you know, is doing that and then um, singing songs again. It's like tabla. It's like what are you singing? You know, what are you singing? And um, and some things are hard to sing. Some things are easy to sing. You know, learning how to pitch your voice, right? I mean, I guess I'm sort of answering the question with this scattergun approach, but it's a big topic. I mean, it's, it's a really big topic, but ultimately, you know, you just got to do it every day. You have to practice. And, and the more you practice, uh, the more it's just there for you when you need it, you know? Totally, totally. So. And <laughs> yeah, I guess like kind of going back a little bit to what we were talking about before of, you know, as a tabla player, it's very hard to get started. But when you can push mm -hmm. you to the other side, this whole world is available. Um, is yeah. that the same with the voice? And kind of, if so, you know, if you were talking to a very new vocal student who was mm -hmm. maybe struggling to really develop that practice and kind of, you know, on the, still on that side, what would you say to that person of like, why is it worth it to to devote to that practice? What is waiting for you when you can achieve or feel the power of your own voice? Kind of tell us what that feels like. Oh, such a good question. I assume you're also a teacher because you you must be a teacher if you've if you've thought about all this stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I haven't I haven't really accepted myself yet as a music teacher because I still mm -hmm. consider myself to be quite young in that. But have, yeah, have taught meditation and kind of sound as a meditative practice. And I used to lead um, backpacking trips with kids in the wilderness for like two to three weeks and really like teach about just life um, <laughs> in that natural setting, which is, I think, the real world, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's some of my like teaching experience. But, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I really... Um, just always had a curious mind really and um mm -hmm. and remember how resistant i was to doing my practices and um know that's very difficult mm. for, for people you know to get to get started with anything that's new i i think i heard if if you can do something for 30 days then you know you're good and uh you mm -hmm. know maybe that's i wonder if that if you agree with that uh philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it, uh, again, to go back to the teaching thing, the reason why I asked that question is, um, the, the reality is, is that everyone is different, right? And, and some people you say, practice this for 30 days and they're just like, cool. And they're off to the races. And some people you say practices for 30 days and it's like freaking pulling teeth at the dentist office, you know, and, and everything in between, you know, I, I also teach kids. I have, I have, I have kids, students and, um, and sometimes it's just, you know, 
it's a losing battle. You know, they're not going to they're not going to practice, but they will play that one hour lesson with you once a week. Right. So that's that's their practice. And um, and so, you know, in that sort of like, let's take the most extreme situation. What do I say to someone like that? I, I say, number one, I say, think about music, even if you don't practice, think about it, like think about playing that chord. You know, think about playing that song, you know, just just think about it in your mind. Don't you don't even have to pick up the instrument. Just think about it. And, um, you know, and then the next thing I, I do, especially if someone's a little older, you know, it's hard. With, it's a little bit hard with really young kids. But, you know, the, the main thing I try and express upon people is um, impress upon people is uh, it should be fun. It should be fun. That's really important is that it should be fun. And, you know, like, let's take a tabla example. Okay. You know, some tabla players don't like dairy dairy, right? Some, some tablas don't like dairy dairy. It's just too hard, you know, or they don't like, I don't know, Rayla, or I don't know, I'm just sort of riffing, you know, but they really like playing, um, I don't know, uh, folk rhythms or, or whatever it is, you know, they really like playing something really fast. They, they play like really fast, uh, you know, um, Terukita exercises or something. Uh, so like, if that's fun for someone, they should do that. They should do what's fun and, and then, and gradually increase it from there. Like, like sitting down at your instrument to practice and play should be like a really awesome experience. You know, like it shouldn't be like this going to the salt mines kind of a thing, you know, <laughs> like, so, so that's the thing is that music should be fun. And then the joy of music will, will come from there. Like to, to continue and finish with that analogy, Swapan Chowdhury, the maestro, who is uh, my teacher, one of my main tabla teachers, um, he is considered pretty much across the board as like the master of Derry Derry, you know, the, the stroke with your full hand. And, and, you know, it's just amazing. Even Zakir Hussain will will say his derry derry is like the best it's like it sounds like a, a machine gun it's like you know and, and you're like how do you do that and and he says we asked him how do you do that and he says he just really liked it he really liked to practice it and he would just practice it all the time you know and and so then you get amazingly good at it and so like that's it, it's sort of a bigger analogy you know, I'll just finish the thought here of, um, you know, music in general, like, because as you become a professional musician and you start touring and playing and trying to actually make a living at it, which is really freaking hard, you know, like the main thing that I tell people and that people have told me is you follow the love. You know, you asked me, why did you go to Korea? You know, because there was a lot of love there for me and, you know, these awesome gigs and these awesome opportunities. And so follow that love. If you're, if you're trying to go somewhere and it's just like, door closed, door closed, door closed. It's like, okay, you know, get the message. That's not the place to go, you know, <laughs> like go somewhere else, you know? And so like, that's kind of the idea with, with music is that, you know, go to that open door and like go in there, you know, you know, you can't do everything in life. Right. You know, so if that's a message basically is that if something's not working, like it's, there's a reason for that. So does that answer your question? <laughs> It does, and so many more. Uh, that was a great, great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, this this kind of transitions us into a, a topic I like to always ask about on these interviews, which is um, something you were speaking to at the end there about noticing when doors are closing <clears throat> in life versus mm -hmm. when they're opening. And um, yeah, you know how how have you? I'd say been a listener in your life, both to, mm. to music, to yourself, to the world, um, you know, has that topic and way of being resonated with you over the years, uh, you know, and, and, in thinking about like how much we're struggling today in our society mm -hmm. to really listen to each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a good conversation there. Oh, there's so many conversations there. I mean, yeah, you, again, you just really get to the heart of so many crucial issues uh, that we're dealing with. And, um, you know, music is, is amazing. Music is really amazing. And the people that, that do it as a living, there's some of the sort of the trippiest people that you'll ever met. They've sort of traveled around the world. They know people from all different countries. And, and you know, even not even in the modern times, but like going 
way back last century, even like way back into history, like musicians were the ones who were the travelers, the wanderers, right? That were that were sharing news and going to different places and going to different trade routes and, and stuff like that. Like they had to, that was, you know, it was the sort of the, you know, it gets to the heart of like the struggle, which is also the blessing of being a musician is that, you know, there's only so many cushy, you know, first chair cello gigs around there, right? Where you, <laughs> you got a nice fat house in the, in the city you want to live in. I mean, the, the sort of the blessing and curse of being a musician is you've got to travel your freaking ass off, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, you know, where, where I'm going with that is that in general, what I find about a lot of musicians is they're really open-minded people. You know, they've, they've had a lot of experiences. They've been to a lot of different places and, you know, they're very open-minded and, and they, and they, um, you know, it doesn't matter where someone is from. It's like you, you learn to listen to, to someone's story. And, and cause that's what music is. It's about telling stories and you need, you first need to listen. If you can't listen, you can't, you can't sing, you can't play it. You know, you have to really deeply listen. And so, that listening, you know, is is relevant on so many levels. It's it's literally what you have to do. But as you were so eloquently saying, you also have to sort of listen to the 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 ebb and the flow of life. You know, is this the right choice to make in life? Is that the right choice to make in life? It's a very spiritual. There's so many changes in life. I mean, I mean, and that's part of being a musician is just being really flexible. In, in so many ways. But uh, the last thing I want to talk about is like the, the challenge of sort of making a living as an artist, you know, that that's really difficult and it's only getting harder, um, especially with, with COVID right now, you know, and not being able to perform. And so again, it's like, it's getting to the deepest, deepest part of how creative can you be? You know, how creative can you be? And so like for me, I've been doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on like studio work, on learning how to become a better mixing engineer, learning how to become a better um, producer, you know, create music, stuff I can do and I don't have to travel, you know, so retooling and making videos, you know, learning a new instrument. Speaking of which, we should we should bust this thing out in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, does that does that kind of answer your question? <laughs> It does. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. And I was really touched by the article you wrote for LA Yoga on the um, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual benefits of sound as a healing modality. And I feel like uh, the album you released last year, uh, Meditation Music, was really well received to support uh, people sleep better. And I'm curious if you could tell us a bit about kind of how you created that album and where some of your, uh, you know, thoughts are in the genre of sound healing. Wow, that's such a great question again, Josh. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I have to give a big thank you to Ella Yoga and the editor Felicia, Felicia Tomasco, and also my co-writer Natalie McComb, who's a yoga teacher and author down in uh, Los Angeles. Um, that was really fun. It was my first ever published article, and hopefully I, I get to do it again. Um, but yeah, you know, as we spoke earlier about music and the connection between that and meditation, particularly, um, you know, I have a history of meditation as a, as a child, even my parents introduced me to meditation, which I'm very grateful that they, that they did that. You know, I think, I think it's a great thing to introduce anyone to, but especially kids, you know, meditation is a, is a beautiful and powerful practice. And, um, as you meditate, um, you know, these, these things kind of become revealed to you that sort of the way the mind works, um, the way, uh, the way the thinking process and the associate, the associative process. And it's basically trying to understand your consciousness, right? Like not understand the body, but understand, I can't even point to it. You know, where, where is the consciousness, right? That's, it's such a cosmic question. Where is the consciousness? And, and it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. So like in uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, uh, let's see if I get this right. I sometimes mess this up, but it says, uh, Yoga uh, Vrita Chitta Nirodha, 
or maybe it's yoga, vritta, chitta, nirodha. But chitta is consciousness, vritta is waves, and nirodha is cessation. So what he's saying is that yoga is the cessation of the waves of the mind, of the, of the thought waves, right? So he's basically saying that yoga is meditation. And this concept that what we're trying to do is stop the mind. Just stop it for a second, you know, because in this modern world, it's always going. I mean, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and even in, when you're sleeping, it doesn't stop. You know, the mind never stops. And, and you know, that's great. That's great because it, it solves all these problems, right? And it does all these amazing things, but it also, it can like literally drive you crazy, you know? So you have to have a certain amount of control over your mind. And, and so through meditation, this, you know, slowly, slowly you experience that. One of my favorite parts, Indian music, lop. Okay, and ah means without. So it's without the rhythm, the alap section. It's very, very beautiful. There's no rhythm at all. It's just sort of this wash of sound. It's very, it's very cosmic. It's very psychedelic. And I remember when I would listen to it, it would sort of just put me in this state. You know, you would hear the tambura, the strings of the tambura, and then you would hear the beginnings of the raga, the melody. And it was just so slow. And it was so mellow that I just loved it. It was so watery and and liquid and, uh, you know, it just made me feel all these emotions, you know. So um, then there's not that's not the only style of music that does that. You know, there's these styles like ambient music, you know, like Brian Eno and uh, Terry Riley and these sort of luminaries of this style of music that some people call minimalism. You know, and uh, electronica sometimes touches on that. Even dub, you know, dub reggae goes to those places where like everything drops out and there's this echo, you know, echoing and shimmering and you're just you're just in the zone, you know. And so I kind of made this connection that I that's sort of my favorite part of like all music is when you're sort of in this sort of amniotic zone for lack of a better word you know it's just like just like envelopes you and and it's so iry you know and um so i decided to make this album uh of music specifically designed for this experience you know and um and as i did it you know because i'm kind of cerebral i i studied about it and i learned about all these trippy things called like brainwave entrainment so entrainment means synchronization, right? Where two things are disparate and they become synchronized. Um, and your brain is doing that. It has these actual waves, literal waves, like what Patanjali was talking about, apparently. You know, and interestingly enough, the slower they get, the more relaxed you are, right? And so as, as the brain goes through these, these cycles of brain waves from the high, the alpha, the beta state, the gamma state, which are high, down, 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 down to the, the delta and the theta state, that's when you become very relaxed. Very, very relaxed. And, um, and that actually happens in meditation. So like they've done these studies where they put, you know, these um, uh, ways to observe the brain waves on like monks and master meditators. And they actually visibly see the brain waves descend down to these these super mellow states and it also corresponds to like deep sleep rem sleep um and and places where the body is deeply restful and you know one thing i know this is a long-winded answer to your to your story but again I, I i really am into this kind of stuff so um you know uh i realized and this might be obvious to everyone but it, it sort of hit me like a epiphany that society desperately needs to just for lack of a better word, just chill, chill out, you know, and, and, and like, and we all collectively need to go down to the theta wave state more, you know, and, and all, you know, meditate and, and sort of, and sort of become at peace, more at peace. You know, there's so much frenetic energy in the world. And, um, and so people need help to do that. They actually literally need help to do that. And, um, and so that was the goal of the music project was to create a, mu a music, an album for that. And I think I think it was successful. You know, it it, it uh, charted on Billboard, which was amazing on the New Age chart. So it came in at number three on 
this first week and and thank you thank you jesus <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know and it's done it's done good things so you know it's sort of it sort of put me out there and um more in that way uh but yeah that's sort of a long-winded answer to your to your question and so the sounding healing article sort of came out of that process it's funny that uh, as you mentioned the album came out in 2019 and then the sound healing article just came out like last month or something. So sometimes, you, you know, these things take a long, long time to roll out. But the goal was actually to have them be kind of together, um, you know, because, uh, you know, as it's as you can see from this very long witted answer, um, you know, there's a lot to explain there. There's a lot to unpack um, in this. And uh, and and then again, it gets into sound healing. And that's that's what's happening in sound healing with the gongs. And the um, and the bowls, you know, is is another way to sort of entrain the brain, and to and to get people into these states. Fantastic answer, my brother. That that was so <laughs> so you. spot on and so interesting. Um, yeah, thank you for the detail. It's really, it's really been a passion of mine over the years, ever since being introduced to sound as a therapeutic device um, about four years ago to really mm -hmm. understand what's going on. Um, and we definitely share a lot of, of overlap there. Um, mm -hmm. Would you like to play? Uh, yeah, let's some, do it. Something for us. I feel like we've, we've chatted for quite a bit here. It's been a little bit over an hour. So let's I know, I know, it's good. You want to tell us um, a little bit about what you're playing and then we'll listen? Sure. So this is a beautiful instrument. It's actually called an ingoni, uh, but it actually is more like a kora because as you can see here, it's got 15 strings. Um, so ingoni and kora are related instruments from, from West Africa. Um, and this is made by my friend Biko Cassini who is the percussionist for Rising Appalachia, the incredible band. And he made this, which is a truly remarkable instrument. If you notice, Josh, it's made out of a bias shell. Do you I see that? I just saw that. That is so <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> so, so, so I know it's trippy as heck. So it's normally a gourd, but this is a bias shell. So, so, you know, he sold it to me and he's like, you need to have this one. He, he didn't even want to sell it, but he was so thank you, Biko. Thank you so much, Mr. Biko. It's like my one instrument where, I mean, there's a few pieces I'm, I'm trying to learn to play, but in general, I just, I just explore. I just totally explore with it and, and sort of just have fun. And, uh, you know, that's sort of what I do. So, yeah. Okay, let's let's do a little jam. I wish we were synced up and you could play with me, but they haven't figured that out on Zoom yet. <laughs> totally. Soon enough, my brother. Soon enough. Yeah.
Wow. Thank you, Joss. That Thank was you. beautiful. Wow, man. So oh, talented. So talented. Gosh. My just mind little, is just much a little quieter something. right now, so I'm <laughs> just kind of taking that all in. <laughs> is that uh, something you had prepared, or was that improvised? Just sort of playing around. Just sort of playing around, yeah. Oh, it's so great, man. It's, I definitely miss, uh, miss playing with you and, and look forward to when we can do that again. Oh, it's going to be so great, dude. I mean, when this... When this happens again, I mean the music is just going to be freaking epic. I mean, I was totally. just I was just texting with my friend who you know, Cayenne, the uh, the great drummer down in Topanga Canyon, L.A., and how much we miss each other. I posted a photo today, and it was with him and me playing, and you know, with our friends Johanna and Karen and Tom, and and it was just like it's just it just gets me here. I mean, it's been over a year. I haven't like played any music, you know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've played a lot of music, but not not the same way, you know, these bands and, and, yeah. and events. And so, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the same thing. But, you know, I mean, gosh, like we're positive people. Right. And and what can you say? How can you spin it? You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. It's just going to be so beautiful when it happens again. It's going to be so epically beautiful. And like, totally. that's a beautiful thing. Right. That's a beautiful thing. You know, I love that. I love that. And I love all of the all of the music that's being released during COVID where yeah. all of us have had the time to be at home in the studio, mm -hmm. really making things that sound really nice and really pleasing yeah. to share. I feel like the, the quality of content has just been like kind of off the charts in the last, in the last year. Speaking so. of which, here's the moment. Why don't you tell me and them about your stuff? You have a new album, right? Totally, man. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I, um, yeah, but I need to do a podcast interview, you know, where I'm on the other side one of these <laughs> days. But um, I do have a new album coming out. I've been collaborating with Will Marsh on sitar, okay. really incredibly uh, devoted, studied musician of the Raga system as well. And yeah, we um, we approached this project as a purely experimental. Um, mission and just said, let's hang out and jam and see what happens. And about 10 months later, we now have uh, eight tracks that are going into mastering with um, the very talented Ben Leinbach uh, as our Ooh. final engineer to kind of push us over the hurdle. So super grateful to him. And wow. this, has been, uh, this has been my first project producing, mixing, and uh, recording myself and playing, of course. So it's it's taught me a lot. I've had to really get over my resistance to sit in front of a computer screen and actually work mm. with um, Ableton Live on a regular basis and learn that software. So it's been a, a big COVID mm -hmm. project for me. And I'm so stoked to share it, man. It's... Uh, it's inspired by Indian music, of course, and kind of brings in a very mystical, uh, at times Middle Eastern, um, evocative uh, soundscape. And I have really wow. been adapting my tabla practice onto the handpans, which I have a few back there, um, and kind of playing those traditional beats, the tintals, the ektals, um, on these melodic instruments that are just so gorgeous. I, I really consider these to be like sound sculptures. Mm. And um, mm. yeah, to really create that trance and that groove that I've been uh, so blessed to learn from my uh, teachers, including Amina Chisti from Fauna Fia La, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. real, real studied tabla player and, and a disciple of well, a, a student of Ustad Dildar Hussein Khan um, in northern Pakistan, and just mm -hmm. adapting these kind of traditional rhythms to be on a a more modern instrument. You know, the, the handpan's less than a hundred years old. Wow! Uh, so it's really cool. it's really fresh, and uh, yeah, we're still working on the title of the uh, 
of the album, but that will come through, I'm sure. And uh, we'll look forward to share it when we can, you know. <laughs> and uh, so do you have a release date yet or you're not sure yet? We do not have a release date yet. We are. Um, okay. We are still in those final stages, but it will be coming soon. And, you know, all of the info will be shared on the Embodied Sounds website and email list. So Sweet. definitely check that I out. I can't wait. Thanks, it's man. Be it's been a yeah. a wonderful growth step for me to to really stay focused on producing an album. So that's a that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, let's see what else. You know, the Embodied Sounds community is growing right now. We are mm-hmm. kind of a a space online for for folks like us who have experienced sound in this way to share what we um, have experienced in a in a safe container and really attract an audience that is looking to get into this world of meditative music and have mm-hmm. um, a bit of that uh, process f- supported, you know, because r- there's so much available on Spotify, so much available on YouTube um, that I, I mm-hmm. personally find it sometimes overwhelming to choose something. Um, yeah, so it's true. It's embodied true. Sounds is kind of growing right now as a, a collective and a uh, future platform that will allow, you know, people to receive um, high quality content that's really designed for their optimal well-being. And um, yeah, we're in an early growth stage right now, but I'm confident that it will, it will develop that organic flow and trying to listen as best I can to really, you know, run with that. So... Yeah, that's uh, that's what's kind of going on on my side. And um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? Um, I can't wait to hear your album. Uh, that's that's going to be so exciting, and the podcast and everything. And um, you know, yeah, there was a there was a number of things you said there that I that I resonated with. Um, th- there's really actually a lot that's that's out there right now the volume of of content is just is just so high it's it's hard to keep up with it i even find it's hard to keep up with like just what i'm doing like i'm like when did i release that song you know like (laughs) you're like you know it's just it's just crazy it's it's crazy so i i feel like i need to have these conversations with other musicians i want to like interview them and and just like tell me about your music, you know, like, uh, sure, I can go to Spotify and, and, and see their releases and everything. But it's like, you know, I mean, I don't know, there's just there's just so much there. It's like for someone to even make one song, you know, I mean, all the stories behind it. And it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And and in a way, that's sort of what I miss the most about um you know, what we're lacking right now is, is the community and these sort of curated experiences, you know, that, that's the thing I miss the most about festivals and stuff like that is just the storytelling and, the, um, and, and just really hearing and seeing another person and, and hearing, you know, their story and how they, you know, got to where they are, what they're going through right there. So I, I just want to salute you for doing these types of podcasts because it's really needed, you know, it's to get this deeper, this depth, you know, that's that's just not there on the surface level. And uh, so so thank you. And yeah, we talked about a lot of cool stuff, man. This was deep. This We jumped right in. And, and I feel like, you know, your literacy, your, your sound literacy, sonic literacy just allowed me to open up and and just really go deep on some of these things, uh, um, abstract, you know, and esoteric. And, uh, and it's fun to have someone to, to rap with about all that stuff. So thank you. You got it, my friend, anytime. And thank you all so much for watching or listening. And be sure to subscribe, check out our upcoming episodes and all the information at embodiedsounds.com. Ooh. Peace out. Have a good night.